does miracles. Come on, you've got to help me out. You've got to help me out. You've got to be awake today. John chapter 4, we're going to talk about Jesus, the Lord, the choreographer. Now, a lot of you might think the dancer or, or the networking person, but I want you to get into to John chapter 4. We're going to see what God has done and what he's doing. And this is a powerful time. Amen? It's exciting. Amen? Come on, amen? You've got to amen me. I'm going to sit here all day and keep saying amen, amen, amen. You got it? All right, you're slowly. Amen. All right, a couple of you are getting that. I am glad to see you here today. Again, thank you for coming today on this slightly wintry spring day. This is, as I grew up in Colorado, this is what we call springtime in the Rockies. Uh, and so this is the term where, if you ever heard the term, winter comes in like a lamb or a lion and leaves like a lion or a lamb. So winter came in like a lamb this year and it's leaving like a lion. All right? Are you good? All right, just, I'm getting you going. John chapter 4. Thank you. John chapter 4. Uh, here we go. John chapter 4, verse 46. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus Jesus replied, You may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he had inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from the from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the choreographer. You set people up. You move people in places. You can do greater things than we can imagine. So this morning, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, open our spirits, open our minds, open our body to the Word of God and let it breathe life into us. And let us realize that, God, sometimes we need to actually put ourselves in the path of the miracle worker so we can receive from you. We love you. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you believe sometimes, does God order your footsteps? Would you agree, yes or no? Okay. Sometimes things happen because of circumstance, happenstance. Sometimes God just directs things. Let me, let me just read this a little bit to you. Uh, on April 14, 1865, President Abraham Lincoln sat in the, president, the presidential box at Ford's Theater with his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, for a Good Friday performance of Our, our American Cousin. Uh, General Robert E. Lee had surrendered the cause of the Confederacy at Appomattox Courthouse just five days earlier. Elation was in the air. The renowned actor John Wilkes Booth, of course, you know in now history who he was, knew the, knew, he knew the play by heart. So he waited until Act 3, Scene 2. That's when the 1700 theater girls would laugh loudly at the funniest line in the script. The president's box was supposed to be guarded by John Frederick Parker, who had left for a local tavern during the second intermission with the president's footmen and coachmen. When the audience chuckled on cue, the southern sympathizer Booth shot the president at point-blank range in the back of the head. So you know this, right? So now, here's the next thing. So his son... Robert Todd Lincoln had declined the invitation to attend the production. But immediately after hearing the word that his father was shot, he was immediately at his father's side. Now, his, this son of his 
was very interesting because he was on two presidential staffs when uh, two other presidents were, were assassinated. So check this out. The president's oldest son, Robert Todd Lincoln, uh, was no was stranger to death, having the unfortunate distinction of witnessing two other presidential assassinations. He was serving as Secretary of War under President James A. Garfield when Garfield was gunned down by Charles Guiteau at a train station in Washington, D.C. The second incident happened at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, New York on September 1901. Lincoln attended at the invitation of President uh, William McKinley, who was shot by anarchist Leon uh, Solgaz. Now, here's the thing. Check this out. Before his father was assassinated, here's what we're talking about, the choreographer. So his, his son, Robert Todd Lincoln, understood tragedy. But check this out. While it seems Robert Todd Lincoln had a, a knack for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, one such brush with death was far more fortuitous. Just months before his father's assassination, Robert was standing on a train platform in Jersey City, New Jersey. Jostled by the large crowd, he fell off the platform just as a train started down the tracks. In a, in a letter to Richard Watson Gilder, editor of the, the Century magazine, Lincoln recounted the, the events of the fateful evening. While he hung helplessly over the, the train tracks, life in the balance, a bystander seized his collar, pulled him to safety. Lincoln immediately recognized his rescuer as none other than the famed actor Edwin Booth. Edwin Booth was the older brother of John Wilkes Booth. Coincidence or providence? So think about this. So sometimes God brings people in our lives who we may or may not like or who we don't know, and they may do good things for us. Amen? Come on, amen? And so, God is the divine choreographer. And so sometimes in life, we just think, well, things just happen. I just happen to be working at this terrible job. I, I live in this horrible community. I have this thing in my life. Maybe God has those people in your life to help you grow. Maybe God has those people in your life that you can help them out. Come on, Amen? So we're going to look at this awesome aspect that God has divine appointments and he wants us to move in them. Amen? So the first thing, number one, is, is supernatural synchronicity. Uh, we already read in, in verses 46 and 47 that, that the, this, uh, uh, this government official hears that Jesus is in the area. So he, he, he heads down and he walks 20 miles. And a 20-mile walk back in that day, probably still today, is about, was about a six-hour walk. Okay, you thought your commute was bad? A six-hour walk. Can you imagine that? No? All right. So let's talk about this. Actions and reactions. Think about this. Actions and reactions. Most of us would say, hey, living by faith can be a tough thing. Right? Right? Come on, right? But the true test of our faith is not acting in faith, but it's reacting in faith. Okay, just follow with me. Think about this. This, this government official, his son is sick. He's dying. Okay, it's easy for us. I believe in God, but he has to react and see what God is going to do. So let me let me work on this. Tragedy strikes, and sometimes in our lives we say, "Where was God?" Come on, we've all thought that. We've all thought that tragedy hits our life, our family, our church, our nation. We say, "Where was God?" And so it's relatively easy to act like Jesus, but it's harder to react like Jesus would. Come on, are you following me? Let me tell you about this man. His, he, was, he was a pastor. He still is a pastor in downtown Detroit. His name is Kevin Ramsby. And Kevin Ramsby, he's devoted his life to minister to gangbangers and drug addicts in downtown Detroit. And on August 4th, 2009, he was robbed and he was stabbed over 40, 37 times in his home. And he has four feet of scar to prove that he survived. And the doctor said that if, if some of the stab wounds would have just moved over millimeters, he would have died. 
And so here's the amazing thing. So he was attacked. This cruel thing happened to him. And at the sentencing of, of the man who, who attacked him, the man's name was Wesley Mecklemore, Kevin refused to give a victim statement, but instead, Kevin said this. Kevin chose to forgive, and he says this. God has forgiven me so much, how can I not forgive? And, and this man, Kevin's family, and his friends uh, disowned him. But Pastor Ransby said, I'm going to befriend this man and help him to know Jesus. So it's easy to act like Jesus, but it's harder to react. Come on, amen? So it took his faith action. He had to step out. He had to forgive this man who tried to kill him. And he said, I forgive him because I've been forgiven much. And in that, because he did that, many of the police and the medical staff put their faith in Jesus Christ. And this man... Uh, Kevin McElmore also put his faith. Let me say it again. It's relatively easy to act like Jesus, but it's harder to react like Jesus. So think about this. Divine appointments. Think about work. Sometimes you have to step out. There was a famous pastor of Morse Presbyterian Church down here in Bethesda. And he, he passed away years ago, but his name is Richard Halverson. Let me read the statement. Do I have it on the slide? It says this. You go nowhere by accident. There it is. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has a purpose in, in you being there. Christ, who, who indwells you, has something He wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in His grace and love and power. This pastor would say this every week to his, his congregation. You may not be where you want to be, but maybe God has you where you need to be. Are you following me this morning? You may not be where you desire to be, but maybe God has you right where you need to be to minister to your coworker, your family, your friend. Maybe He needs you to be in this place so you can grow. You can be challenged where you may have to trust in God. You see, God has you probably in the right place at the right time. And I, I hear it often in this area, and some of you love this area, but some people say, they hate, I hate this area. I hate the traffic. I hate the government. I hate this. I hate that. But maybe God has put you here so that you'll have a tougher skin. Maybe God is trying to grow you up. So you know what? You need to stop hating everybody and you need to start loving people. Maybe God has put you in a place where He's the divine choreographer and you can touch someone who in your workplace or at your neighborhood or on your sports team in your classroom desperately needs to hear about Jesus and you are the representative of Jesus Christ to them. Amen? Maybe you're not where you think you should be, but maybe you are where God exactly wants you to be. And a lot of times, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this, we, we want to hurry along. We want to get to our destination. We want to say, man, I, sometimes I hear parents, I wish my kids would just hurry up and grow up. And as my kids are now in the teenage ages, I say, don't. When I talk to parents of young kids that are two, three, four, five, I say, don't rush this age, man. I mean, yeah, the diapers are stinky and, and all that stuff, but, but you only have it once. Enjoy it. It's a magical age. Amen? And a lot of times in life, we're like, I, I wish I could hurry up and retire. I wish this would happen quickly. I wish this would happen. Maybe God wants you to slow down and enjoy what's going on in your life. Maybe God wants you to be in a place where you can minister to people or you can be ministered to. Don't rush along. Amen? Can you imagine if Jesus would have skipped Cana? Or he would have just rushed right through. Hey, I gotta, I'm just making my special appearance. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, shout out to everybody. Hey, I've got to go. I'm moving on now to the next place. Jesus had a divine appointment in Cana. He had a divine appointment with this government official. And God wanted to set it up and God wanted to do the awesome. So here it is. Let us see the grand subplot. 
So think about this. In the first century, itinerant rabbis or, or teachers of, of, of the Bible did not hang around government officials. Think about that, okay? Most people in that time did not like government officials and sometimes that's still the way it is today. Uh, and so, so they really avoided each other. They, they tried to stay away from each other. But the royal official had defied cultural protocol. Hearing that Jesus was in Cana, he walked 20 miles from Capernaum to Cana to meet with Jesus. And he would normally not want to rub shoulders with the religious people because he was a politician and he didn't want to be seen as bad. And of course, the religious people didn't necessarily like the politicians because they overtaxed them. Uh, They were deceitful. But desperate times called for desperate measures. And so it shows that, that this official hears about Jesus being there. We already read it. He comes into the area and he begs for Jesus to come and heal his son. Now, God doesn't respond to bribery, but God does respond to a broken heart and to a sincere heart. Psalm fifty-one seventeen says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. This government official was, was desperate for God to do something in his son's life. And God was, will always respond to a desperate cry for help or a miracle or healing. Come on, amen? You see, the first miracle, it's kind of interesting, Jesus went back to Cana where he, he performed his first miracle. And he goes back to, in the first miracle, he, he, he was the Lord of, of the molecular. He turned water into wine. And if you didn't hear that message, you can download it on, on our church website. But the second miracle, is, it's physiological and it's geographical. He said to the, he said to the official, he said, your son is going to be fine. He will live. And so a lot of times, especially in the spirit-filled church, we think that the pastor has to lay his hands on you or uh, someone has to anoint you with oil, and that does work. But Jesus, in this situation, he wasn't even physically in the same area as his son. He said, your son will be fine. And of course, he tells, he tells the official, go ahead and head home. And you see, God is, is the, the maker of the subplot. This is awesome. Come on, amen? He didn't need to lay his hand on him. He just said his word. Let me just say this to you real quick. God's word is still powerful enough to heal today. Come on, call on God. Believe on God. If, if you know someone in another place, you can pray, God, in Jesus' name, touch them in that location. We're believing in your power. God, you're a miracle worker still today. Come on, amen? See, here what we have is earlier on the notes is what we call a supernatural Synchronicity, where God synchronizes the right people at the right place at the right time. Most, most of you have experienced that, being in the right place at the right time, being the right person. And here God does that miracle. He brings this official into the area where Jesus is coming. It's the right place at the right time, meaning the right person. Isn't this awesome? Come on. Yeah, it's great, Pastor. That's awesome. God healed the Son. Big deal. God can do that today. God is maybe waiting for you to step out like this official and run to a place where you can meet with God. And maybe there's a a person that God wants to bring in your life that maybe you can minister to. Now, networking. We hear this a lot in work, right? You network, right? Come on. How many of you know what networking is? Not your work network that fails all the time, right? Not the computer network or that never fails or is impervious to, to attack. But networking, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this group called the Rotary. It's an awesome group. But we have often people that join it for networking. I think it's awesome. And, and we're there to serve and help mankind, but it's a great thing. But in the business world and in life, it's all about networking. Come on, right? It's all who you know. It's not what you know, right? You ever heard that? 
Come on, amen. Some of you, you didn't get the job because of what you knew. It's because of who you knew, right? Some of you did get the job because God, it's who you knew. Think about that for a second. There, there you go. You see, many of us, though, we, we work and live to be in the right places. We try to get our kids, and there's nothing wrong with us, try to get our kids in the right schools, in the right activities, in the right things. And everyone wants to say that they know someone famous. You ever heard of that, the six degrees of separation? You ever hear that? I'd be like, what? Okay, they say that every one of us are at least, now different now, probably less, that every one of us are at least six people away from knowing someone very important or very famous. Okay? Now that's changed because of what? Come on, you're, some of you are on it right now. You're on your cell phone right now while I'm preaching. And you're like social media and right now checking out everything. And so, so this has kind of changed. So check this out. Everyone wants to say they know someone famous or they know someone important or they are in the right place. And we're consumed with trying to, to be important and connect with, with whom the earth calls important that we miss the connection with the King of Kings, the most important. Think about this. Come on, amen? Think about this. God knows everybody. Come on, amen? We work so hard to get into if I If I meet with this person and if I meet with that person and they can connect me with that person and I can get this and that, all you need to do is get on your knees and say, God, you know everybody. You can make divine appointments. Amen? I'm not saying you shouldn't work networks. I'm not saying you should not try to have a good life. But maybe God will grant access to everybody and they might even come knocking at your door. Because maybe they're in need of a miracle and God is going to send them into your pathway. Isn't this awesome? Here's what you need to know, okay? Don't worry about meeting the right person. Meet with God. That, you guys should be shouting right now. You, should be, like, you need to be thought out, right? We're going to bring some hot chocolate in right now. Guys, bring it in. I'm just kidding. So like, what? Rip, that's cool. We need to be more concerned about meeting with God than we need to be making the right connections. But you see, God is the one that can make all the connections work perfectly. Come on, amen? So, so this morning, I want you to make God the choreographer. He can bring right people in your life. God can make sure you meet the right person at the right time. Supernatural synchronicity is God's game. You need to read Acts 8. Not today, not right now. But I've talked about this often about Philip. That God used Philip to minister to the Ethiopian. God put him in the right place at the right time. Number two, God's speed. John chapter 4, verses 49 through 50. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. This is out of the New Living Translation. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. The death of distance. Let's talk about this for a second. How many many of you know what Morse code is? M-O-R-S-E. Morse code. Now, all of us, we're spoiled with instant information, right? Some of you get mad if your text doesn't get answered in three milliseconds. Come on, right? Let me remind you, your text message has to go to outer space, hit a satellite, then be relayed back to the other phone. Even though they might be standing in the next, right next to you, and it's, it amazes me how people, instead of talking, they're like texting each other. And so, so we, we are so spoiled with instant messaging. So back then... Before Morse code, it took a hard, back in the 1800s, it took a hard riding Pony Express 10 days to deliver mail from coast to coast. Can you imagine that? You send a letter out and you send a message out and you have to wait 10 days before the message gets there. And then you have to wait another 10 days for a response. Some of you are like, you couldn't survive, could you? 
Come on, amen? And in fact, when, when George Washington died, it took a week for word to travel from Virginia to New York. How many of you have been from Virginia to New York? How many know where Virginia is? How many know where New York is? So I'm like, don't even know where you're at today. So you're like, I'm here. That's, I'm all, and I'm in awe that you're here today. Well, you see, today we can get news out as fast as we can tweet a feed. Right? Come on. Or, or, or Facebook message or, or whatever. And most of Jesus' miracles, as I alluded to earlier, happened in person. But here, Jesus shows that He is the God over all things. And He doesn't have to go to, to see where this boy is. I mean, imagine walking 20 miles, 6 hours. The Father walks 20 miles, 6 hours to Jesus. Imagine Jesus says, okay, let's go. We walk another 6 hours back. Instead, Jesus says, you know what? Let's, let me do instant healing right here, right now. Go back home. Your son is fine. The father believed it. Isn't that awesome? You see, God is not limited by time and space or the four dimensions that we have. He is the Lord over all those things. Come on, amen? That's what we're talking about, the grave robber. Jesus is still the Lord over your situation. You might be in a desperate situation. You might be in a place where, God, I, I need you to move miraculously. God can do that. You see, you and I, we struggle with God's omnipotence and His omnipresence, meaning His all-powerful uh, abilities and that He can be anywhere, anytime. Can you be in more, more places than, than one? You can only be in one place at one time, right? Some of you might imagine your body here and your, your brain over there, but the reality is that doesn't really happen, okay? You're in one place. God is not limited by any of those things. God can make a miracle happen in any place. So let's talk about this, a half world away. So in the book I've been reading and, and getting the sermon ideas from uh, the grave robber, Mark Batterson talks about his, a group from his church, the NCC church, in, in, at a Georgetown area, they were on a missions trip to the Galapagos Islands, just outside of South America in Ecuador. How many of you know where the Galapagos Islands are? How many you know where South America is? Okay, on South America, there's Ecuador, and outside Ecuador, I don't know how far off the coast, there's these islands called the Galapagos. And they're beautiful, and of course, it's, a, it's like a national park. And so they were there, and they were, they were on this missions trip, and, 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 and they prayed before they went on the missions trip, and they prayed during the missions trip, that God would set up divine appointments. They prayed this often. And on the last day in this certain area on this Galapagos, I don't know which island they were on, but as they were, as they were leaving that morning, they said, again, Lord, we, we want a divine appointment. They were leaving and they were on this, this kind of semi-abandoned road trying to get back to where they were going to get back to, to the main uh, South American coast. And, and they were on this road and there, there should have been no one out there. And they, and they see this man. He's on the road. He looks desperate. And so they, so they pull over. And this man, is, he's, he smells bad. He's been walking probably for days. And, they, and, and he's saddened and he's crying. And, and they, they say, hey, can we give you a ride? He gets on the bus. And of all things, he sits next to a man named Adam. There's other places. And Adam is one of the few people on the bus that speaks Spanish fluently. And so, so, so Raul, the man's name, sits down on the bus. And they ask Raul, what's going on? Why are you in such despair? Adam speaks some Spanish. And he says, my, my wife of 30 years has left me. And I'm, I, I was, was going to commit suicide. And little did he know that Adam experienced something similar because his wife of 15 years had left him. And so Adam begins to talk to him. So do you see the Lord of synchronicity? Do you see the, the choreographer? Well, half world apart, God sends white Americans to South America to minister to Raul. Do you see what I'm talking about? So they begin to talk and Raul asks him, how did you handle the loss of your wife? And of course, Adam tells him, he returned to Christ and Christ gave him a brand new life. 
And check this out. Raul says to Adam, he, he says, I feel like God has, has never been there for me. And they stated out, you know what? God sent a busload of Americans to be with you at this very moment of your life. When you were considering ending it all, God sent a busload of gringos. Isn't this awesome? Wettos, as my friends used to call me, and uh, my, my Mexican friends used to call me a wetto. You'll get the white guy. Anyway. And so God used Adam, who learned to speak Spanish in America, to minister to Raul. Think about this. On a human level, this should have never happened. But God, in His divine love, sent a busload of white Americans to South America. I know I said that, but I want you to think this through. God does that every day. In different places of the world, in this place, in, 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 in our world today, God lives outside the four dimensions and He knows how to set up divine meetings. In fact, then Raul accepted Christ that day and his life was saved. Imagine, check this out, here's my point right now, is imagine if we pray, God, would you set up a divine appointment in my life today? Think about that. We get in the rat race. We, all we get up in the morning, we, we scarf down breakfast or coffee or you drink that energy drink, which is bad for your heart, by the way. Side note. Uh, and and you, you get on the metro or you get in the car and you just like, Lord, let me just get through the day. Let me deal with the boss. Let me deal with these rude customers. Lord, let me just get home so I can watch Netflix all night, right? Until I go to sleep or watch whatever you watch. And God said, you know what? If you would have prayed when you were on the metro, there was that desperate man or that desperate woman or that teenager or in your class, there was that one kid or in your workplace, there was that one worker, but you didn't even ask for a divine appointment. You just missed it all. Think about this. You are on a mission. Your mission is not just to survive life. Your mission is to thrive in life and help other people know Jesus. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, if you believe in God. You see, we have this gospel concept that, that we're supposed to wait on God until God sets up the appointments. He's trying to set up these appointments every day. We should believe in the gospel of go first. Come on, amen? Because remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say wait for them to come. He said, go. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go play your sports, when you go play your instrument, when you go to that civic event... Go there with a the mindset, God, let me have this divine appointment that I can speak the love of God or show the love of God to them. Come on, amen? Because some of those jerks you work with, they would be nicer if you would show them Jesus. Come on, it's good preaching, amen? Amen. Okay, I'm getting one. Thank you for saying amen. You see, God can work out things. God can do miracles every day, and miracles usually are just a prayer away. Faster than Twitter. Isn't that awesome? Let's talk about the seventh hour. Now, some of you have heard that on the last hour or the seventh hour or the eleventh hour. Here's where the seventh hour comes from. I know in the scripture here, the scripture, it took out uh, seventh hour and it said, I think, one o'clock. Uh, and it, what was happening, it was the seventh hour of the day. And so it says that, that, again, he asked when this happened. Check this out. Jesus says, go home to the official. The official heads home. Remember, a 20-hour, 20 20-hour, 20 20-mile 20 walk was probably pretty easy in a bus, right? Or a car. But it's a long walk. It's not over till God says it's over. Say it with me. It's not over until God says it's over. We live in such a fatalistic society. Everything's bad. All, it's all going to end bad. The world's going to collapse. All this stuff. It's just going to, I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm going to die. You're all going to die, right? Remember that? One out of one people die. Come on. Ten out of ten people die. One hundred out of one hundred people die. So you're all going to die. Why not live before you die? 
Why not look at the world in a different mentality instead of it's all going to end? It is all going to end. But before it ends, why don't we go around saying, God, until he says it's over, it's not over. Come on, amen? And so here it is, the royal official was in the right place at the right time to meet the right person. And some of us in this room today, we've come to a place in our lives and we're saying, we're at the end of our rope. Where is God? Where is God? I'm going to encourage you, hold on. Maybe God is saying, the right time is, it's not just yet. It's going to happen maybe tomorrow, next month, next year. I want you to be strong. I want you to have faith in me. Maybe you need to change your course, which we'll talk about that in a second. And you need to get your path in, in line with God. Come on, amen? You see, the royal official probably felt helpless until he heard the word that Jesus was in Cana. That's a 20-mile walk. We can make it six hours. If I leave this morning, I'll get there. It just so happens that he gets there and he hears about Jesus. He went to Jesus and he found help. When you think it's all over, here's my encouragement to you. Go to Jesus. When when the world tells you it's over, when, when everyone tells you it's over, go to Jesus. And let him be the one that decides when it's over. Come on, amen? Or decide, I will give you new hope. Again, I can imagine the 20-mile trip from Capernaum to Cana is easy in an air-conditioned bus. Has anyone ever walked 20 miles? You ever walked 20 miles? A couple of you might have. I remember, boy, I don't think I've ever hiked 20 miles, but I know I've hiked a 5-mile and a 10-mile hike. And as a Boy Scout, we had it. And I, I remember as, a boy, as, as young boys, we're like, oh, we were complaining the whole time. Walking. We had to walk. We had to use these things, God, get legs. I mean, we had, to, we had to walk. Do you imagine that? And so this miracle had to have some sweat equity. Now think about it. In, in Cana, if you've ever been, I've never been there, but I've heard that in, in the Middle East it gets a little hot. And it's a little arid in some of these spots. So, so it wasn't like a nice spring day or a nice March 1st day in Maryland. It was probably hot and dusty and, and, and again, just walking. So this official goes to Jesus. He walks the 20 miles. And he meets with Jesus. Here's my point. Sometimes in our Christian life, we need to put a little sweat equity you don't earn God's grace, but you've got to be willing to say, God, I will step out of my comfort to go meet Jesus. The, 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 the Roman official, he had no reason to go. He had everything he needed from the government, but he needed what the government could offer. He needed a miracle. You see, you and I were expecting our boss, our parents, the government, we're expecting the pastor to do the miracle when really you need to get connected with Jesus, the only miracle worker. Are you hearing me today? You see, some miracles take sweat equity. Here's my point. Your effort doesn't make them happen, but check this out. Maybe your lack of effort can keep miracles from happening in your life. Let me read this to you from Dallas Willard. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. We can't earn our miracles, but effort might be part of the equation for the miracle. If you look oftentimes in the miracles throughout that the Jesus did, a lot of times it's because people came to Jesus. There were a few times when Jesus came to the people, but a lot of times if you look at it, often they made their way to Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Yes, it is. You see, most of us would not have taken the 20-mile hike to go meet with Jesus. Come on. Really, in America, think about this. In America, most of us follow Jesus 
to the point of inconvenience, but no further. If we have to drive through the snow, if we have to get up a little bit earlier, if we have to put a little more effort into it, a lot of times we are spoiled. Come on, I'm spoiled. I'm a spoiled American. We, we, we forget that sometimes we have to actually put effort in. And most of us are willing to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't detour from our plans. And maybe you're missing miracles because you're not willing to say, God, I'm willing to go and do whatever and go and be where you want me to be. Come on, amen? You see, it is, it is the willingness to be inconvenienced that defined what the Good Samaritan did. The Good Samaritan, again, he saw this Jewish man and the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. And he inconvenienced himself going from, from this business trip and he saw this man hurting. He inconvenienced himself and he became the miracle. I talked about that the last time. We're always looking for the miracle. Maybe God wants to work the miracle through you. Maybe you're the miracle waiting for, for God to move that divine appointment. A lot of times, most of the miracles might happen off the beaten path. You see, the lesson learned from the royal official if you want to experience a miracle, maybe you've got to get off the path. Maybe you have to change your schedule. And again, it amazes me that in the church in America, we always want God to move on our schedule. Come on, right? I come to church, Pastor, at 10.30, sometimes 10.35. I expect God to be done by 12.15 at the latest if you go long-winded. And God better move in my life or else. And we go away that week from church saying, God, where were you, God? This church is per- terrible, Pastor Dan, because what's wrong with you? Maybe you need to change your schedule. Say, God, I'm willing to meet with you at 6 a.m. every day. 5 a.m. every day. God, I'm willing to to go to all night worship services if that's what you want me to do so that I can meet with you. If this government official, who was pretty... I remember when we first came, we first moved here, my family, we went to the National Zoo. And it was our first trip there. And I remember seeing, it was kind of interesting, because I saw these policemen with guns, and then I saw, you know, it's so funny, you, you can see the Secret Service agents, right? The, the black suits, the sunglasses, you know, and you can see they got this hand on this machine and this bulb sticking out, you know, the bulb sticking out, and a couple of them are on this, and so we saw, we, I have no idea who this man was, but this guy was walking through this, the zoo, there were like five or six policemen that came in front of him, then these Secret Service guys, again, like there were like eight or ten of these guys that are walking around, look, they got their hand on the machine, you can see the bulge, and then this official with his suit, he's walking around, he had his aide, and there's pointing at stuff, and then after him, another eight or ten agents, and then after that, another five officers. My point is this. The government official, or officials, may be important, but God is more important. The government official, who didn't need all that, needed God, and he changed his path to meet with God. My point is this. You might be important. You are important. But maybe, again, I'm beating this down. I know, you're tired of pastor, please move on. You need to be willing to change your course to meet with God. You maybe need to change your schedule. Maybe there's some things you need to cut out of your life or add to your life so that you can meet with the miracle worker. Amen? Maybe you need to go the extra mile. Maybe you need to put some effort to intersect yourself with Jesus. You see, I think about the woman with the bleeding issue. She made extra effort to meet with Jesus. I think about the four friends who lowered, who lowered their, their paralyzed friend through the roof. Can you imagine that? If someone like, like sawed 
let's say Jesus was here, okay? Just imagine. I mean, he is here with you. But imagine Jesus here. It was packed. It's standing room only. And people are bringing their friends in to be healed and delivered. And they can't get in. And so all of a sudden, we're in here talking. Jesus, Jesus, all of a sudden, you know, the loud the sawdust comes down. And all of a sudden, someone cuts a hole in the roof. And they, they on the ropes, they lower their friend down to Jesus. Do you think that was extra effort? Do you think they were desperate for Jesus to do something in their life? You and I, if, if we saw that there was a line coming in, we'd like, forget it. I'm just going to go home today. I'm done with this junk. How dare them not save me a seat where I always sit? Come on, church. Come on. Hit home, doesn't it? When were you going to take some time to put an extra effort? Look at the miracles that God does because people stepped out. And this is what Mark Batterson says, and I agree. Most of the time, it's our laziness that keeps many miracles from happening in our lives. We're not willing. And maybe sometimes God just wants to see if we're really serious. When, when the official came to Jesus and said, please heal my son, and he says, oh, people always want miracles. He was checking to see if this guy was serious. And he said, no, please, Jesus, come, my son is dying. Maybe God is just seeing how serious you are. My question is this, are you willing to walk to Cana? Are you willing to step back this, the last thing is this, is back to Cana. See, my family loves Disney World in Florida. Anyone been to Disney World? Okay, anybody know where Florida is? Okay. Now, I know sometimes I say to my kids, there's so much more to do in Florida. There is. There's beaches. There's seafood. There, there's awesome stuff to do. And again, I, I mean, I do enjoy. But, but your first time to Disney World, it's like almost magical. I don't like to use that word. It's almost, I don't know. It's almost magical and, and memorable. And every time you go, it seems to add to the memories. And, and we'll talk about, oh, do you remember we were there? And I'm like, yes, we did that ride five times that day. I do remember that. I remember standing in line five times. But I, but I do remember the smile on my kid's face. And yes, we have to save money and, and all that stuff. And we're blessed to do it. As a kid, I never got a chance to do that. But every time you return to a place like that, your, your emotions and your memories are multiplied. And I, think about this. I think maybe Cana seemed to have the same quality maybe to Jesus. This was the first place he did a miracle. So he turns back to Cana. Can you imagine this? Do you think David ever went back to the valley of Elah where he defeated Goliath? Think about that. So that was the first place where God moved mightily and the children of Israel were saved. Do you think Moses retraced his steps back to the burning bush and said, that's where God showed his presence? And I had to turn my back and I, I had to take off my sandals and this was holy ground. Do you think maybe Peter rode out on the Sea of Galilee to the spot where he walked in water to be reminded, God is still the God of miracles. This was the first place that I saw God do this miracle work. Do you think Lazarus maybe went back to the place where he died and put fresh flowers on the grave where he was set for four days to remind us of God Raise me from the dead. Four days in the grave. You see, when we forget about God's faithfulness, we lose faith. Maybe some of you need to go back to your Cana where God did the first miracle. And you don't have to have a pilgrimage. You don't have to enshrine it. But you have to remember, that's what God did in my life back then. God raised me up. God saved me. God healed me. God restored my marriage. God did this miraculous financial miracle or healing in my body. God did that. I have to be reminded that God did that so I can know that God is still the divine choreographer. He still does miracles today. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning?
I want to challenge us to put some more effort into our spiritual life, not to earn God's grace, but to show that we're sincere and saying, God, we need you to move in our lives, our families, our homes, our marriages, in our singleness, in our finances, in our body, in our church, in our nation, in the world. Get back to a place where you're hungry for God and you're willing to do anything for God. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you first accepted Christ? Saying, Man, I will, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. And now it's an inconvenience to come to church when it's snowing sometimes. And you're here, by the way. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. Well, it's an inconvenience to come back in another meeting. It's an inconvenience to, to do a little extra. And God's saying, you know, if you just do a little extra, I can do greater things in your life. I'm going to challenge you not to despise the place where God has you. Don't be in a hurry for your kids to grow up. Don't be in a hurry to get from this career to this part of your career. Enjoy the trip and allow God to set up some divine networking. Allow God to put you in a place where you can either minister to someone or God is setting you up for a bigger success down the road. Amen? Don't despise that small company that comes in for business and you think, oh, they're just, they're just small potatoes because we got this government contract. Because one of these days, the government contracts are all going to disappear. If you haven't noticed that. And maybe that small potato company, maybe they're just showing you one of their, one of their 40 companies. Don't despise small things. Don't despise the small things and the people that God brings in your life because maybe that's a miracle waiting to happen. And you yourself, don't despise your workplace. Don't despise the church God had you at. Don't despise the school you're at. Don't despise the family you're in. Don't despise the area you live in because God maybe has a miracle waiting to happen. If you would say, God, I'll open my eyes and Lord, let us see and work in these divine miracles. Father, help us to know that you work all things out for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And God, I ask for forgiveness for my life where I'm trying to rush through things or I despise this and that. Lord, I want to work in the way that you want. And God, I do pray that you would deliver the American church from easy believism where it's inconvenient, we don't want to do anything about it. And Lord, would you forgive us of that? We're not earning our salvation because we're saved by grace. But Lord, sometimes you're waiting to see how serious we are about things in our lives. I pray for those 